Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, February the 2nd in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we're in year C and this is actually for today and today only in the church calendar year. It's called the Presentation of the Lord. So it just depends on uh, what day of the year that this lands in the day of the week. And so it lands here on Wednesday, February the 2nd, Groundhog Day. And so what this is, is a celebration of when Jesus was presented to the temple after his birth. So it comes from Luke chapter 2. So we're going to deviate from the fifth Sunday of Epiphany liturgy and take a hold of this one day only holiday in the church calendar. And so I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning and when our eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and be got together in a time of prayer. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mo- to the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been a sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, who was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is the word of God for us. I don't know what it is, but here lately, I've been wanting to get on that Ancestry.com and just see what comes up, right? Like to see what comes up when I start to begin to trace up some of the roots uh, from where my family came from. Uh, there's a good chance that other people in my family have done some digging, but I think with the power of the interwebs and just how fast knowledge is increasing, 
just imagine that there could be so much that could be discovered. And I kind of wonder, like, whenever I've, I kind of retrieve what I can find and I digest it, like, what would it truly mean to me, like, to have all these micro stories of where we came from? And what, do those stories really hold a bearing on who I am today? And does it reveal a picture into my destiny? I mean, there's a lot of things that I think about. Oftentimes, very early in the morning, when it's quiet in the house, I just kind of let my mind run wild and sometimes on these things, right? What I love about Luke's gospel is that as Luke is trying to paint a picture of Jesus, he doesn't start with the genealogy like Matthew does. Matthew's got an intention and reason for that. But Luke decides that he would start with all of these micro stories, all of these people who encountered Jesus along the way. And the majority of them, uh, they only had this short encounter with Jesus. Um, he does spend some time talking about his mother and some distant relatives, but all, you know, you get to in the story like this where there is this random guy in Jerusalem who has this impression in his heart that he's not going to die until something very significant about Israel's present and future is going to happen. And then you've got Anna who is widowed at a young age and instead of being married again and doing the traditional route of what women her age would do with those set of circumstances she decides to pray and get together with other widows i guess and hold court with god and be aware what god is up to and so you got all these neat mosaic and patchwork of stories in it and it looks like i dare you now to after you see these stories one after one now push back from the picture and see it all in its full scope because all these micro stories truly add up to who Jesus is. Keep in mind that these gospels are peculiar genres of work, of literature, and what some scholars suggest is that these early stories that just come one after another in a gospel like Luke are like different, it's like an overture of a symphony, a sampling of the greater things that are going to come. And what I love what Luke does is that he doesn't go to the prominent places and prominent people. He lists some of the prominent people, but he doesn't get their opinion on the matter. But he goes to like the lowly people, to the common people, the, the blue collar folks in Jesus' day, and he allows them to share their story. And maybe that's like the, the best feature of Christianity is that it's a multitude of people. It's a body of Christ. It's a sea of nameless faces who have encountered the same God, the same Jesus, and they're being transformed. But all their stories are different. And we encounter them one after another, like we're watching a documentary, like a news program. And then at some point, the editor of the documentary is like, okay, now let's take a look back and let's push back and see the big picture. And what we see is this, this beautiful face of God that um, we experience at different in different ways in a variety of ways and life upon life. And I think that that is the gift of the body of Christ as you and I go to worship and as we go to small group and as we go to these groups that we serve with, whether it's kids ministry, student ministry, or here at our church, we have like a quilting group on Wednesday mornings, you know, like whatever it is. And everybody in that room, the common thing about us is that we've had an encounter with God uh, we can kind of laugh, like just how greatly diverse we are, right? Like you can ask political opinions or sport team affiliations. It's all different. But then like at the very base of it all is we've had this breathtaking encounter with God and we find this great community and connection. Uh, the biblical writers call it koinonia, a common life together. And we marvel at it because God truly is something up to something in the world when this 
this collection of people, no matter how different we are, like it all adds up to one common great big story of God not abandoning the world, but redeeming it from its mess, including us, and including us in the great outworking of what he's doing in the world. And because of that, like we wake up for a fresh new day today, and we do declare like the book of Lamentations says that his mercy is new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness because he's going to do something today. It's just going to wow us if we allow ourselves to be trained to see it go down. And so today with the the work schedule, the school schedule, the personal life schedule that we have, may we not miss it, but may we be attuned to what God is up to in the world around us because he's probably doing it in the lives around us. So let's be patient, let's be silent, let's be attentive, and let's just marvel at what God is up to as we attend to the lives around us. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying for our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for this collection of people with Jesus in the middle of it all. Thank you that we are different races, we have different paychecks, uh, different experiences. Uh, we've got different, even longevity in the faith. Uh, some of us are brand new. Some of us have been following you a quite a long time. I thank you that some of us have been through hardship. Um, and others of us, we've, we've been able to go through life with uh, not many speed bumps to endure. But through it all, we do see this common thread. It's not a pattern, but it certainly is a paradigm. It's uh, this idea of you being among us and you're fixing the world. And we, not be able, we, we may not be able to measure it in the moment, but we certainly look back and we think, we just marvel at all that you're doing and how you've included us. And so God, today, we don't start from a place of privilege. Uh, we start from a place of humility. Uh, we're so humbled that we're in your family. and. With that humility that you give us, God, I pray that you would also give us the courage to wander out into this big, bold world around us, a world that's confused and mixed up, mixed up and upside down, and that we would not lose heart, but that we would be filled with enthusiasm and that our imaginations would be stoked with what might be possible because you're still at work within it. And so God, give us an enthusiasm in our step, I pray be optimistic and our hopes for today. So I pray that in every interaction, whether it be a common person or stranger, whoever it might be, I pray that we just might expect for you to draw near to us as we engage in faithful work. So God be with us today. We set our lives apart. We ask you to fill us with your spirit and fill us with power to do your work today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.